Before I get to today's episode, I want to let you know about episode 300 of BitDepth, which will be live. On March 19th at 7pm, you can watch me squirm amid the barrage of impossible questions that I always subject my guests to. Then, you can ask me even more questions right to my face, challenge my contradictory beliefs, ask for my stance on controversial topics, find out who my favorite Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle is. More details in the description. Theme music! Hello, and again, welcome to BitDepth. I'm Santiago Ramones. Across from me is... Tommy Su. Thank you so much for doing this with me. Uh, I'm so glad to, like, have more local voices on here. And uh, you're having your voice out every week. <laughs> um, so... First of all, uh, who are you? What do you do? Yeah, um, Thomas Who. I am a MC. Um, I am a father. I am a husband. Um, I'm an artist, and so uh, it's pretty much who I am and what I do. Um, I love what I do. It is. It gives me an opportunity to just like vent and um, find other weirdos. Cause artists are weirdos. Yeah, you know what I mean, yeah. like we are um, introverted narcissists. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Don't look at me, but please praise me type right, thing. Right. So like yeah. that, that's, that's, that's what, who I am and what I do. Yeah. How did you first uh, get into music or even like art? Sure. That's sure. The- um, I've always had an affinity for language. Mm-hmm. Um, at a young age, I kind of just understood like the, the power of language um, and how everybody wasn't good at it. Yeah. Um, there's a reason why, um, you know, Eng- English class is language arts. Mm-hmm. And that always appealed to me. Um, what words are capable of doing and um, the emotion they're able to get out of people. Yeah. The emotion words get out of me, how I can feel moved by like lyrics in a song. And th- these are concepts that I'm getting at like eight years old when I'm listening to Biggie Smalls, like yeah. Ready to Die album. And he's saying shit like, you know, when I die, fuck it, I want to go to hell. And I'm like, whoa. Like who at eight, like I don't get it, but I'm like, if this is a if this is him telling the truth, like how brave yeah. for him to tell that kind of truth. Mm-hmm. And you know, listening to that, um, seeing what my words were capable of doing to like my peers, seeing how my teachers were moved by my words, how my mother was moved by my words, like it it, it made me kind of fall in love mm-hmm. with what words can do. Yeah. And uh so by about nine, I started writing poetry. Um, I have a cousin who, um, her father lived on the East coast and she would go visit in the summer and come down and just bring me like most deaf and to live and like common and like th- this, this different wave of MC yeah. and, um, roots crew. And like, I'm hearing these, these gentlemen, like use words in an elite level. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like, it got to the point by 12 where I was like, I want to do that. You know what I'm saying? I wonder if I could do that. And, uh, I got challenged by who's still a friend of mine. Um, shout out to D Brown. Um, we went to middle school. He's freestyling, calling me soft. Cause I do poetry <laughs> and, uh, I just start freestyling. I just know words. I know how to rhyme. You know what I mean? 
And to see the reaction of my classmates and the adoration that I received as a result of that, it was like, it was my heroin. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've been hooked on ever since. Yeah. Uh, First of all, where'd you grow up? So I grew up in Oklahoma, um, the North side. So maybe Andover court is the street. Um, I was, uh, Brought up there, um, went to Andrew Jackson Elementary School. Um, my teacher told my mother that I was gifted. And so she um, got me placed at Quail Creek Elementary School. And so I'm this black kid going to this white school, coming back home to the north side. You know what I mean? So that was an interesting like uh, dichotomy there. Yeah. And my formative years um, were on the east side of Oklahoma City. Um my parents split. I had to go live with my dad. Um, my dad had uh, various afflictions and um, wasn't really in a position to be a dad. And I am now put in this environment where, you know, who is this new nigga? Like, why does he talk like that? Like, having to constantly prove myself. And that's kind of where I got um, ingratiated in more violent behavior <laughs> as a result of um, kind of like eat or be eaten type shit. Mm-hmm. And um, that the east side of the city is what formed me and really like um, postured me to go throughout the rest of my life. Yeah. Tell me about that difference. I mean, because a lot of people might not understand just how and I mean, no matter where you go, but like the differences in just like you get, I mean, even where I live right now, it's like, it's just not Nichols Hills. And like the difference just one street over is immense. So like, yeah, tell me about the differences between. Yeah. I mean, like, it's very important. People are territorial, like, Mm -hmm. especially in in my air quotes here, ghettos. You understand what I'm saying? Like people are placed in those. Mm -hmm. There are, there are circumstances and, 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 um, um, systems that are keeping people you know what i mean in in this way and so naturally um people are tribal and they're going to become territorial about where their tribe is and what it means to be from that tribe and so um streets are important if you're from the east side where'd you grow up and if you don't know the answer to that then there's a problem you know what i'm saying you were on the north side where were you if you don't know the answer to that there's a problem like um so yeah it was definitely um, a formative situation for me. And it was crazy to go through Quell Creek, which is right under, you know, Edmond and it's a little bit more affluent and to see how some of my peers lived, the cars they would get out of, um, the things that they, they would complain about, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like was, was weird to me. You know what I'm saying? What the, what the fuck you mean? You don't have a Sega when the Sega comes out. Like, I don't know anything <laughs> about that. What do you mean? PlayStation? What is that? I don't yeah. know. Um, so it was a lot of, it was a lot of that going on and it was a lot of trying to, um, put that in my mind and like, like sort that out in my mind, especially as you're growing up. I'm in class with these people, but we don't eat the same. We don't live the same. We don't, we don't speak the same. We don't understand the same. So, um, those territories and those areas are very like, uh, defined and very important to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, but at the same time, like, even though your background is different, 
you you still show up to school and your teachers are like this kid's gifted yeah. so i mean like you're showing that like just because i come from this background doesn't mean that i'm stupid doesn't mean that i don't know what i'm talking about doesn't mean so it's like uh but then the opposite side you had to prove yourself so i guess in what ways did you have to prove yourself and kind of in what ways are you still sure. proving yourself um still proving myself not so much uh the older that i get <laughs> the more there, there's this cliche the more you know the more you don't mm. the older i get the less i feel pressure to prove mm -hmm. um i'm growing in a shortness of myself as a youngin though you know what i mean um I saw the temperature of my household sure. and what it looked like and what it felt like and things that we didn't have and things that we were going through. And so um, I felt this need to like be the savior. Like I can get us, you know what I mean? Out of here. They called me gift. They labeled me gifted. Yeah, right. Yeah. So like, I'm not going to go to this place and intentionally embarrass you. Sure. And so the way I would prove myself is, I'm going to learn my time, my uh, times tables faster. Mm -hmm. My paper is going to be better. Yeah. Um, I'm going to raise my hand first. I'm going to, you know what I mean? Like these things started happening for me to try to prove myself. <laughs> As an adult, I understand the biases that other adults have. You understand what I'm saying? So looking back mm -hmm. to, you know, six-year-old, seven-year-old, eight-year-old, nine-year-old, 10-year-old me and seeing the way these teachers were treating me differently than the other kids, whether they thought it was well-intentioned or not. Sure. Um, I, I, I got wind of that by the time I was about in the fifth grade. And I'm like, this is a song and dance for them. I'm their token. Mm -hmm. I'm, the, I'm the black kid that came through here and succeeded. Yeah. And look at how quickly he'll raise his hand. And look at, and it started feeling like, good boy, good mm -hmm. boy, way to perform, good job. The more that was happening, the more I began to resent that. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and so that that created this um, difference. This difference became, fuck it. Like, I'll try when I want to. Yeah. I'll make the grades I feel like making. Mm -hmm. I don't make bad grades because I'm dumb. I make bad grades because I don't feel like making good grades. Mm -hmm. And then when it's time to make good grades, I know how to do that. You know what I mean? I can make that happen. It started to turn into that shit. Mm -hmm. um, and as life happened, growing up in a different hood, in my formative years, fighting constantly, like dealing with levels of violence that I did, I wasn't necessarily accustomed to, mm -hmm. um, that created an animal and a savage. Mm -hmm. And that 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 terminology really comes from like when you go when you go through certain shit you see certain shit and you're when you're constantly fighting like people say that shit but like i was constantly fighting you know what i mean just to prove you know what i mean like i belong here that was weird being a black kid fighting other black kids to prove that i'm a black kid that shit was crazy yeah you know what i mean so um there were there was a lot of like that type shit going on and it was a lot of proving myself then that way how savage can i be how much can i not give a fuck can i get my gun in this building without anybody knowing can people can people start fearing me like that's what the proving myself started to become and that's why i'm grateful that in my mid-30s i can look back and i can say fuck all that i am who i am and i'm growing comfortable 
and who I am. And the more comfortable that I grow, uh, the less I feel the need to prove anything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, was music a way out of that or a way through? <laughs> um, it was therapy before I knew what therapy was mm-hmm. or the concept of therapy. Um, there was a comfort that I felt to be able to articulate in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the more that I did it and the response that I would, that I would get, not only the adoration, but uh, the relation, mm-hmm. like, damn, bro, you feel like that too? Yeah. Or damn, bro, you going through that too? Like me too. We don't know. We, we're not well versed in how to just have a conversation on intimate details. But if I kick in a rap um, that I, that I don't feel like getting out of bed sometimes, and my fifteen and sixteen year old homies is like, damn, you don't either. We don't know to call that depression. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like we don't we don't have the wherewithal to to categorize it that way. But I gave them a way to relate, mm-hmm. and it was like that became my therapy, like being able to go, I feel having my variation of when I die, fuck it, I want to go to hell. Having that kind of blatant honesty and transparency. Yeah. And I guess so, like the the juxtaposition between the like, you know, hyper machismo, like I have to prove myself versus the self-revelatory nature of of rap, you know, how did that uh jive as you were getting more into music um i grew up believing that rappers were telling the truth about their life you know what i mean like and i really believe that so i I believed from from an early stage that like sincerity and authenticity and transparency was a necessity in order to to do this so Sometimes I do feel like I'm Superman. Sometimes I do feel like I could fuck whoever I want to fuck. Sometimes I do feel like I could I could fill my pockets with what, you know what I mean? Sometimes I feel like ready to run down. Sometimes I feel like crying. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like, uh, you know, giving up. I would give all of that. It wasn't, it was never this pressure to be machismo per se or prove myself in that way per se. Don't get it twisted. Rap is a competitive sport, right? Sure, sure. So I definitely, I wear shirts to say I rap better than you. You know what I mean? So like, I know, I know, I, I, I get that aspect of it, but, mm-hmm. but to me, um, that fact doesn't come from um, arrogance or a sense of proving. It comes from an assuredness. Do you know why I rap better than you? Because I put my 10,000 hours in to rap better than you. Because I'm still in my mid-30s writing bars every... I still throw verses away. You know what I mean? I still make sure that I am uh, contributing to the culture, not just latching on for relevancy. Um, so I, at an early age, like it was never the prove it per se, it was more like, I'm going to be as real as possible, but I'm going to do it at an elite level and yeah. whatever I have to do to do it at an elite level, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. When did you, I guess, like, when was it your life? You know, when did you decide that like, all right, this is it. Right. <laughs> um. So my life is wild story. Go through all of that, all of the trauma, so on and so forth. Um, get an opportunity to go to college, right? I go to the university of Tulsa. I'm a full ride scholarship athlete, right? Um, in Tulsa, the university taught me certain things. I don't, I don't necessarily believe in institutions per se. And I don't believe that's the only way you can be educated, but I do believe that going to a university widens your scope, Mm -hmm. Of, of of 
culture. It widens your scope of experiences. It widens, it, it help, it gives you an opportunity to see a bunch of young people from various backgrounds that are real gung-ho about fucking the world. Up. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like that, that was beneficial for me. Um, but Tulsa all, also showed me, um, how to cook crack. And it also showed me how to slang K-Packs. And it also showed me, you know what I mean? Like it showed me a lot of other shit. Right. So, um, going through, going through that experience and like, having all of those things when I graduated and I moved away from that place, all that shit had happened. Um, I was sitting, working at Enterprise Rent a Car <laughs> and I'm like, I'm too good for this. Like, I'm too good at what I do to like settle mm-hmm. for, for corporate America. You don't fit in a fucking box. You never have. And so by about 22, I was like, fuck it. I want to rap. It's all I want to do. Whatever I got to do for that to be what I do, I'm willing to do that. Mm-hmm. How do you break in? I'm still figuring it out, bro. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's the truth that a lot of people will not tell you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, um, chasing your dreams, your your dream at times can be a very brutal mistress. You know what I mean? Like the way she makes you feel is amazing. But sometimes it doesn't, you don't think she loves you. And she, <laughs> she doesn't care about, she doesn't care if you're starving. She doesn't care if you're doubting your, you know what I mean? Like what you're capable of doing when you get an opportunity to, I've had opportunities to rock festival stages. When you get that, you're like, damn, I love my mistress. She's amazing. Yeah. Um, when I'm working a warehouse job to support my family and studio time, not so much. Um, so I don't feel like I've broke through. And here's and, and here's a weird thing. I don't know that I ever want to break through traditionally. Sure. All I want is to do this enough to feed who I love. Mm-hmm. And if I could do that, that is a mountain of success. If nobody, if nobody in California knows my name, if nobody in New York knows my name, who gives a fuck? If my family is, is, is supported based on my ability to be honest, transparent and put words together. That is my breakthrough. Yeah. It's crazy how, I mean, like before you had listed these artists, Biggie and Common, Most Def and all that stuff is like th- the vision at that time was, you know, everybody knows my name. I'm, I'm big, I'm famous, I'm rich, but like the dream for, for every musician, not even just rappers has been smushed down (laughs) to this. If I can just live, (laughs) that is enough. That's enough. What, I guess what happened? (laughs) Um, you began to learn that like the industry is the WWE. You know what I mean? It is a choreographed dance of success. Mm-hmm. You begin to learn that. Um, I had an opportunity to be a part of a project called Fire in Little Africa. Fire in Little Africa was signed by Motown. Mm-hmm. I put my arm around the neck of the the chairwoman of Motown. Mm-hmm. And she looked me in my face and told me how talented I was mm-hmm. and how, you know, to keep going, keep pushing. You can do this. Right. And then she stopped answering the phone. Yeah. It's, it's it's moments like that where you're like, damn, like everything that niggas that made it say about that industry and being in that industry is real fucking shit. It's cutthroat. It's snaky. 
Right. And I think the more artists that wanted to just create and then figured out that they had to do all this other shit, Mm -hmm. all this other politicking, all this other being in this room, all this other, you know, kissing this ass, all this other, you know, conforming to to this this methodology of creative. um, They stopped giving a fuck about it as much. Mm -hmm. I think collectively artists were just like, bro, like if 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 I can't if I can't create authentic art and that be enough mm-hmm. to have everybody know my name, fuck it. I'll sell this painting to make sure my mortgage is paid. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'll, I'll sell this, this song to make sure that my, I pay my car note. I think that was just a, a, a collective over time. Mm-hmm. I think the internet definitely showed it to us. You know what I mean? Like it shrunk the world. New York is right here. So long as I have the right, you know what I'm saying? Entries in my Google. You know what I'm saying? So I think I think it was a collect a collective of those things that really shrunk the idea of what it means to make it or break through. Mm-hmm. Tell me about uh whose day. <laughs> so um December of 2020, um, I called my manager, Mocha Soulfly. Hey Mocha, I love you. <laughs> um, and I said, Hey, I think I'm gonna drop a single every week next year and she goes fuck it let's do it you know and i uh had the support of my engineer banner and i had the support of um various producers loudmouth sundeep um dollar 130 sign like i had a bunch of people that were interested in seeing that happen um believed in what i was doing and um supported that and so um, my engineer opened up his studio every week. I would call people that I develop relationships with because I'm a relationship person. Mm-hmm. I want to know that you give a fuck about me outside of my ability. And then once I know that, I'm willing to give you anything. Yeah. Um, I had gained a bit of notoriety as a result of things that I had done in the city, you know, in the past. And so that was building. And I was able to call a Bones Flow, who is an amazing MC. And he wanted to work with me. I was able to call Savion, who is amazing MC and artist, a Nia Monet, a Huckweed, a KO, a Trip G, a Southwest Dez. I was able to call a neighborhood Barbie, a Young Zay, all of these people. And they had an equal excitement to do what I was doing. And the more that I noticed that and I was seeing that starting in, in January, the objective is let me just drop a single once a week. By the time we get to like May, it's like, I think I'm creating an ecosystem. Mm-hmm. I think I'm creating this idea that if Oklahoma City is ever going to have our Houston, Atlanta, um, New York moment, mm-hmm. we have to all be creating at this elite level. Mm-hmm. And if you're creating at this elite level, I'm not talking to you about how much a feature costs. Sure. I'm not talking to you about... Uh, um, what the politics of the record are. If you if you're in this ecosystem, not gatekeeping. Let's let's not get that fucked up. I can't stand a gatekeeper. A gatekeeper is somebody whose ego tells them who wins. A gatekeeper is more about a popularity contest than a talent show. I'm talking about ecosystem. I'm talking about you know that you created this level because when you make music, when you drop shit, when people see you perform, it is palatable. Yeah. what's happening. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it is a tangible feeling what is happening. I was in the room with those people and I was feeling that and I was seeing 
artists that did not know each other, feeling that from each other. And it created this space where people were beginning to create outside of me together. And it wasn't for a pat on the back. It was because I really love this fucking culture. Yeah. And I really love this city. And I really want to see us win. And somebody had to kill their ego. Somebody had to walk in a room and say, this isn't about Thomas Who's Who's Day. This is about creating the best art possible. Who's, who's down to do that shit with me? And I found, I've gained so many relationships and so much respect and like adoration for so many artists in this city because they, they, they got that with me. They just wanted to make dope shit. And um, as a result of that, I was able to pull out, pull off a feat that was damn, damn near impossible. Um, huge shout out to Flyer Graphics um and to uh caution 700 for the artwork that they provided for me like throughout this journey um my goal here was not just to for you to hear my voice once a week my goal here was to make objectively good art 52 times in a row Mm -hmm. what does it take um persistence um and a radical belief um perseverance um a willingness to do shit that you're uncomfortable with. Um, it, it takes a lot of that shit. You know what I mean? Like all the cliche shit people say like that accomplished, like dope shit is real. You know what I mean? Like you have to believe in yourself. You have, you have to, you have to fight through that self doubt. There are times where I was like, where's the next record going to come from? Yeah. Like I have written everything I could possibly write. I have expressed every emotion I could possibly express. Who the fuck can I call now? Like, what do I do? Um, there was a, there was a point where our studios went down. There was a point where one of my graphic designers uh, was dealing with something and couldn't. What do you do? You quit? Do you tell the public who you just told the culture who you you know give your bleeding heart to? I love you so I'm doing it. Do you tell them no? Nah, I'm done. Like I got to 49. Like no fucking way. You know what I mean? Like you you push through. You break through. And the only way for you to do that is to be to 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 become become comfortable in being uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. What makes Thomas Who sound like Thomas Who? Um, like all of it, pain, uh, um, as my brother view says, righteous indignation, um, joy, um, compassion, empathy, you know, rage, like all of it, all of it makes me sound like me. Um, and authenticity to myself. I'm not chasing a fucking wave. I, I always find it funny when artists chase a sound, mm-hmm. there's damn near 8 billion people on the planet. And the only thing, this motherfucker has been going around for, you can debate it, thousands to millions of years, debate it, right? Whatever. Mm-hmm. The only thing that makes an individual different is their honest interpretation of their experience. Mm-hmm. And if you're chasing somebody else's experience, if you're chasing what somebody else sounds like, you're not contributing to, to, to society or culture or art. You know what I mean? Like you're photocopying somebody who decided to do it um, authentically. You know what I mean? Just do covers. Just do covers. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, so what makes Thomas who sounds like to- sound like Thomas who is a blatant authenticity. Mm-hmm. 
what is a deep nitty gritty thing that is in your craft that you're like, man, probably nobody's going to notice this thing, but I notice this thing and I love that I put this thing in here or whatever it is. Sure. What, what is one um, of those? I'm an entendre and, and scheme what's, what's considered scheme guy. Mm. Um, my bars a lot of times are run on sentences that rhyme mm-hmm. and I don't, I think people miss it. And I put Easter eggs in there like that on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the favorite, I'm, I'm your favorite rapper's favorite rapper type sure. shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The one that goes, damn, like he really gives a fuck about this. Like artists that I respect. Um, there's a, a cat out in um, Waco, Texas. Shout out to uh, Timo Got Bars. I respect this guy's pen to the fullest, but the conversations that we have are not um, beating our chest conversations. They're the technical conversations. Mm -hmm. There's a mastery on how you took line one and then you gave, you had a rhyme scheme and then you did two and three and then brought the rhyme scheme back at four. Yeah. Those are the conversations that we have. Um, My guys out in Dallas, my pay me family out in Dallas, they challenge me. The conversations that we have are about um, not only the the artistry, but the execution. You know what I'm saying? Twice, uh, D1, D1 has taught me how to write hooks. Twice has taught me how to perform. EXO has taught me what melodies mean. Modi has taught me what um, that raspy, blatant delivery means. You know what I'm saying? Nina has taught me to be abstract. J-Rock Obama has made sure that my pen is on point. Like, every... I, I say this all the time. All my friends are awesome. <laughs> so all the people that I get to um, interact with regarding this art, it's about, it's really about the art. That's why I'm such a nerd about the shit. You know what I mean? I'm surrounded by a bunch of niggas that did wild shit, but are really good at rapping. You know what I mean? And 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 we try to we try to keep each other on a, on a on a level to where we're not succubuses to this culture that we're always contributing. Yeah. How, I guess, what are you seeing in Oklahoma City or even just Oklahoma that you feel is holding us back from being Atlanta, from being LA, from being New York? Ego, (laughs) ego, ego, ego. Who gives a fuck if your name is first on a flyer? Who gives a fuck if your picture is, 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 you know what I mean? On a pole, who gives a fuck about that? Like, like, why is why is that what matters? Because that ideology is the crab in the in, in the barrel type shit. Mm-hmm. That that I have to be the one. Check this out. <laughs> I will never perform like Southwest Dance or Trip G. Ever. Mm-hmm. I'm not that good. <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't hurt me. Mm-hmm. I will never write a record that is going to cut through as well as KO can. Mm. Just not that good. (laughs) And that's okay. Mm. Nobody is going to outbar me. You're just not going to. And guess what? (laughs) That's okay. Yeah. And I think that the more we start praising what, what our peers are good at and stop thinking that praising them somehow lessens you um 
We're never going to get there. That's what's holding us back. It's our fucking egos. Mm -hmm. If you can't exist in the ecosystem, it's not because somebody's hating on you. Instead of you being your fucking feelings, why don't you go back to the gym? Get back in the gym. Write more. Produce more. Play more. Mm -hmm. Do it more. Steph Curry is one of the great, not one. Steph Curry is the greatest shooter of all time because he has shot in every spot on that court thousands of times when nobody was looking. That's why he shoots like that. I rap like this for that reason. Southwest Dez and Trip G perform like that for that reason. KO writes records that cut through for that reason. Neighborhood Barbie sells out arenas for that reason. That's the shit that I that I hope to champion in our city because that ego is what's holding us back. Mm-hmm. Does that transfer to every genre? I believe I am slow to speak on every genre. Sure, sure, sure. Because I I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what folk music is doing. I don't know what country is doing out here. I don't know what alternative is doing out here. I know what rap is doing. You know what I mean? So. Um, as a musician, as a composer, mm-hmm. is, is that universal? Yeah, basically. <laughs> and I mean, uh, and it's funny because like I'm I'm just now talking to more rappers in the scene because that's not my scene. I mean, I have guitars in here, sure, obviously, sure. like that's not my. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the the crab in a barrel thing is is very. Uh, common it looks like so <laughs> yeah for sure um what advice do you have for people that are wanting to do what you do um kill your ego and make dope shit mm-hmm. and like be honest with you about if it's dope shit or not because mm-hmm. you'll know you'll know if when you play that back do you like it because it's you mm-hmm. or do you like it because it's good Mm-hmm. And there's a difference. Um, kill your ego, make dope shit, be honest about it. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, switching gears into the deep questions that make bit depth, bit depth. What is the role of spirituality or religion in your life? Sure. Um, <laughs> you can't tell by my potty mouth, um, but I am I am very Christian. <laughs> and I am not Christian in a in a traditional sense, because you could probably tell by my potty mouth. I have a very um solid, unshakable um relationship with Christ. Um I'm just his problem child. <laughs> and I think that um we lose as the Christian church, we lose people. Um because we are more concerned about how they act than how they are. Um, that is not to say that it is a free for all and there is no discipline and there's no accountability. It's not what the fuck I'm saying. And if you think that's what I'm saying, that's the problem I have. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, so I read my Bible regularly. I pray regularly. I am, um, I'm, I'm a humble individual but my humility has nothing to do with other people. Mm. My humility has everything to do with the fact that I recognize that there is an architect of the universe. And in my belief system, he sent a part of himself by way of his child to sacrifice everything just so I can make it back to him. 
And so in, in, in my thought process, my humility comes from that. And that is what allows me to treat people well or, or do the best that I can to treat people well. Yeah. What uh, what forms of spirituality or religion did you grow up with? Christianity. And it wasn't I, I wasn't pigeonholed there. Um, I was introduced to Islam. Mm. I was uh, introduced to Buddhism. Um, beautiful, beautiful um, disciplines, beautiful religions. Um, I, <laughs> I also think that that's a part of the problem is like we can't even acknowledge that part. You know what I mean? Just because that is not what I subscribe to doesn't mean that it is worthless or without value. Mm-hmm. Um, so those were things that I were I was introduced to young. Um, I had a older homie who was from New York and introduced me to five percenters, um, which are offshoot of the nation of Islam. Okay. Um, Seventh Day Adventists, um, Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, I've I've been. Um, impacted and introduced to various uh, belief systems throughout my life, but I was raised Christian. Mm-hmm. Whenever, uh, whenever I talk to Christians, there's there's always a point where the Christianity becomes your own and not your parents. When was that moment for you? Um, <laughs> when I saw my examples be human Mm. when i saw my mom hurt to the point where she drank i didn't see that i saw the woman that was on her floor you know i'm saying on her knees praising christ i didn't hear her cursing i didn't hear her you know when i started to hear that and i started to see her be human i said okay um it's not what i thought it was she never fell from her faith you understand what I'm saying? But it's not what I thought it was. It's not, it's not this perfection. Um, and people don't understand context. The Bible talks about perfection, but perfection is 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 translated from a dead language, right? And the closest to English that we could get was perfect. But what it meant, what the Aramaic word meant was complete. So when we talk about um, Christ as a perfect being, he was a complete being. Mm-hmm. He knew that he had to have this reliability on his father. And I started to kind of understand things like that. So probably by 12 or 13, what my faith was and what I thought it was, mm-hmm. as opposed to what it became and has grown into, um, that's when that started to happen. Yeah. What is your definition of God? Um, love and <laughs> love, peace, justice, um, and understanding. Mm. Um, I don't believe that all times God is fair. And, and and his word says that it rains on the just and the unjust alike. But I do believe um, that he is always just. Um, so 
those those would be my words for sure. Yeah. What do you think happens when we die? Hopefully I go see Jesus. I got a lot lot of fucking questions. Like a lot of things that have happened here. (laughs) Like, um, I got questions about, you know what I mean? I got questions about the Bible. Like, uh, some of these niggas was wilding. Like the ones you chose were wilding, but that also helps me relate. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Um, I just got a hell of questions. So my belief is when I die, um, I'm going to pull up. God is going to be like, say, bro, you know, a lot of fuck shit, but you really rocked with me and you really rocked with my child. So come in. And then when I come in, I'll be like, Jesus, we got to talk. So that's what I, that, that's kind of how I see it happening when I die. Yeah. <laughs> how do you determine what good behavior is? Yeesh. Um, <laughs> damn, Santiago. Um, I have never thought of that question ever, ever, ever. How do I determine what good behavior is? I guess I would judge it by, or I would determine it by your intention and your willingness to, to deal with the effect of your intention. Mm. Your intention may not have been to offend me or to hurt me. And that's cool. But if you don't have the wherewithal to deal with what actually happened, I don't think it's on good, you know what I'm saying, behavior. I think good behavior is intention meeting accountability. Yeah. Ooh, that's powerful. <laughs> How do we reduce the division between people? Um, Remember that you're people. Mm-hmm. We don't got this shit together, bro. Like humanity has shown us that like the history books show us that like, you know, people ain't really, you know, sometimes we do dope shit. Sometimes we do fuck shit. Like it's, 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 um, that knowledge. Right. Um, I, I had done so much harm by way of, um, violence or by way of, um, drugs, um, that I, as I matured and as I got older, the way I wanted to atone was to be as empathetic and compassionate as possible. Mm-hmm. Because the same way I judged my father for using drugs, I sold them to somebody else's father. Mm-hmm. So that they could have the same experience that I had. Mm-hmm. Um reconciling with that um caused me to just want to be as compassionate and empathetic as possible so i think those those how we bridge the divide is start having compassion and empathy for one another in a a sincere way yeah can you name an example in which you have bridged that divide um yeah like it, it, it happens with random conversations i'm not going to uh name names because it was a sensitive situation like i'm walking around you know an establishment with a blunt in my hand and a gentleman calls me to the side and he's like man i just want to chop it up with you i see you walk around i don't know much about you 10 years ago me is like who the fuck is this nigga and what does he want with me Mm. now me is like for sure like let's sit down and you know have a conversation Mm. um as we're having this conversation, we're sharing things with each other. And though I know that I'm, you know, I'm reckless with my mouth sometimes, yada, yada, yada. I know I'm anointed too, because I started, 
I know when to key into the spirit. And I started speaking to him about things that were going on in his life by just being honest about mine. Mm. He's had unresolved issues with his father. Mm. He had grown up in an abusive situation, became successful. And now he is charged to take care of his abuser. Mm. He's that's hard to deal with. Right. Um, I told him he needed to, though. He said, bro, I don't know how to do that. Why would I do that? I said, because I can't. My dad's dead. Those questions will never. My dad banged my phone for a year before he died. It's like he knew. And I was like, fuck it. What you call me now? Mm-hmm. What are you calling me for now? Yeah. I'm grown. I have kids. I have a job. I have a family. I have a mortgage. Why are you calling me now? That rage and that anger and all that shit has questions inside of me that will never be answered. Right. And I was able to relay that to him. I don't even know what his belief system is. Mm-hmm. But what I do know is that from a human to human uh, perspective, he was changed in that moment due to me being compassionate and empathetic to his situation, being able to be transparent about mine. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Do you believe humans are evil by nature? Yeah, (laughs) I do. I think it's because the world... (laughs) because the world is a wicked place. Mm. I don't think that it always has to be. This is not on some like doom and gloom type shit. Mm. Um, But I do. I think that what gets praised and publicized is the wicked shit. Mm -hmm. If you look at your news station, if it bleeds, it leads. And we'll get a little, little piece of, and this guy went and, you know, fed the homeless. And then now this person was murdered and this person was, the evidences and the things that we um, deal with on a regular basis that we publicize, you know what I mean? And I think if we're going to change that, then the good shit has to be the important shit. Yeah. It has to be what we talk about more. It has to be what we're into more. That's the only way it's going to flip. Mm-hmm. What do you think humanity is heading towards in the future? Um, I don't know, Santiago. I'm just doing my part by raising uh, kids to go out with other people's kids that are going to um, love them and respect them and treat them well. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what we're, where we're headed, but I know my wife and I are doing our part. Yeah. Which follows up with... What makes you optimistic about our future? My children. Yeah. For sure. They're dope as fuck, bro. Like, <laughs> for sure. I've, uh, they saved me in a lot of ways. Um, they, they put a mirror up to me. I saw my selfishness and my narcissism and um, my abusive nature through their eyes. Um, I was able to see that and I was able to... I, my the things that I was lacking as a child, I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't doing the same shit to my children. And because children are so transparent, it's just like, you know, dad, this is hurting me. Um, when you say something like this, it hurts me. 
Um, and that's a big shout out to my wife. My wife is a huge about like communicating. I don't talk about, I, I, I wasn't raised to talk about my feelings. I was raised in a fuck your feelings type of environment. She has taught our children to be open, communicative, and they have taught me um, to be gentler and slower to anger and to be optimistic about what can be. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what lessons are your children giving you, you know, every day? Um, I've never seen someone more determined than my oldest son, Xavier. Always was considered the smallest one. Always was considered um, um, the 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 skinniest one. Um, and he's a scholarship athlete now. I saw him fight and scrape and claw. See, I've never seen someone more determined. I have never seen a spirit of servitude like my daughter, uh, Cabriana. The way that she is able to be intentional about how she is with other people how she treats them, how she gifts to them, how she listens to them, the insight that she gives them. Um, It's this heart of servitude that I've never seen. I have never seen um, unbridled creativity like my uh, big baby is what I call him, Elijah. Um, he is me 2.0. He is the far dopest, like he is the far doper version of me. He is funny and he is free and he marches to the beat of his own drum. And it is, it is, uh, it's a liberating thing to see a 12 year old walk around with that assuredness. Mm-hmm. Um, and then King is two and he basically just has me wrapped around his finger and anything that he wants and anything that he wants me to do, I'm gonna do it. You want to watch Coco Melon? You want to watch, uh, uh, <laughs> what is he into now? Um, yo, Gabba Gabba, we're fucking doing it. I don't care what time it is. You want Sprite at nine? Cool, you can have it. So that's <laughs> he is. I guess what he is. He's a uh, with my older three. I was so busy. My wife and I were so busy trying to build a life. Mm-hmm. We were very present, but Dad worked more. Mm-hmm. I was gone a little bit more, and. With King, when we had him, pandemic happened. I get laid off from this big ass job. Um, so now I'm just home with him. King taught me how to be a daddy. I knew how to be a father, but King taught me how to be a daddy. Roll around in the floor, like diapers, fucking. I was here for all of it, like uh, blowing noses and potty training. Like he really like taught me how to be that um, soft dad. And I'm grateful to him for that. Yeah. What makes you content? The smiles on my family's faces. I see my wife smile. I see my kids smile like that, that, that look at you. (laughs) Um, there is no, there is no more content um, place in my life than their smiles. Yeah. <laughs> when will you be satisfied? I'm figuring <laughs> you're good at this shit. I'm figuring <laughs> out that, um, that is what I'm, that is the lesson I'm currently learning. Mm. Um, I wrote in a lyric, um, I said, uh, 
kind of crippling. Quit moving packs. I'm diamond nickeling. Um, barely sc- scraping pennies. God showed me what my addiction is. It was more as if enough was never given to me. Yeah. That that was I'm learning to become content. I'm learning that I was addicted to more. And because I was so addicted to more and chasing more, I wasn't, I wasn't, (laughs) I was killing the content inside of me. Yeah. What is the best way or what are some ways to better help your community um being an example of what it is to like care about people i think that's the best way. leave from the front mm-hmm. you know what i mean go out here and do the work um uh nemesis uh jb um l smooth um i see those brothers do the work um you know chop um, I see him do the work. I see, I see like when you lead in that way, when you just go do the work, that's how you better your community. And that's what I hope to do is continue to do the work. Mm-hmm. What advice do you have for people in general? Give yourself grace. None of us has it, have it figured out, man. None of, like, none of us. Um, The ones with millions and the ones with pennies, none of us have it figured out. My advice to you is to give yourself grace. Yeah. (laughs) Lastly, potentially, most importantly, cake or pie? Cake, bro. (laughs) Birthday cake in particular or nothing but cake. And in in particular, um, what is it? White chocolate raspberry, nothing but cake. For sure. Outside of that red red velvet. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thomas, thank you so much for doing this with me. Where can we find you and your things? I am everywhere um, at I am Thomas Who. Um, that is also Instagram. That is also Twitter. Um, Thomas Who question mark is on every platform that you can stream music, your Apple Music, your Spotify, your title, whatever. Um, and reach out to me. I'm not one of these artists that are like, mm, I don't know. I don't, I'm just not that guy. You know what I mean? So uh, reach out to me. Fuck with me. Fuck with my music. Support me so I can feed my family by doing this shit. Right, and yeah. Uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. Yeah. I mean, full transparency. I messaged you. I got you in here in like a week. You know, like. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So Thomas is a real one. Like, and here we are really getting into like the core of this shit. Absolutely. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Once again, thank you so much for doing this with me. I'm Santiago Ramones. I am Thomas who what song is about to play at the end of this execution over ambition. There we go. <laughs> Here is execution over ambition by Thomas who. Yeah. You're right. We should do something like, like, all the, all the, all the dancing. Yeah. All the, all the, all the dancing. Survive 
the ops in my depression through a pandemic. I took the game and then I ran with it. If you clapping at a nigga, better stand with it. When I stepped inside the building, it's a grand entrance. Account like music to my ears, all the bands in it. All the, all the, all the bands in it. Survived the ops and my depression through a pandemic. I ran a play until I win, you niggas playing switch. To me, it's always execution over ambition. The higher that I go, the more I notice that the real cannot prevail when the energy the lowest. They distract us from the truth and put the lie inside our focus. Cancel culture for the niggas who content is thought provoking. I'm on my way to cancel, but still feeling like I'm righteous. Look, my soul is not for sale, just like my image and my likeness. If a Brady leave me dead in the streets, start a riot. Either let me live in peace or feel the power when I'm dying. Wow. This was not designed for your playlist I'm not leading black boys to a grave shift I wrote this for the Karens And the Margaret Sangers planning genocide without the parents I was in that bedroom trying to breathe, baby, breathe And I hit Lamar's class like, breathe, baby, breathe I did it all with a purpose You hit thoughts allegedly A nigga ain't afraid of dying when he leave a legacy, huh? I took the game and then I ran with it. If you're clapping at a nigga, better stand with it. When I step inside the building, it's a grand interest. Account like music to my ears, all the bands in it. All the, all the, all the bands in it. Survived the ops and my depression through a pandemic. I ran a play until I win, you niggas playing switching. On me, it's always execution over ambition. I'm up in the ante, this isn't a challenge, you niggas is candy. What else? I ride with my niggas, so exclusive footage on a shot of brand. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, how I make it here. I dropped a tape and went inside and made them wait a year. Collab with you, you know the vibes, it's just a give and go. The flow is timeless, but you welcome for perennial. I can't attest for information that you didn't know. But every risk was worth the reason that I did it for. Okay. Okay, Tom Tom, I'm him. Twelve months, I'm slim. Soft box climbed in. All this drip fresh. Check my trident. Dope ain't stepped on. Peep my clients. When you live the story, you can tell it better. Like when you know the product, you can sell it better. Man cannot destroy what God has held together. So by the beef, now I appreciate the smell of leather. I took the game and then I ran with it. If you're clapping at a nigga, better stand with it. When I step inside the building, it's a grand interest. Account like music to my ears, all the bands in it. All the, all the, all the bands in it. Survived the ops and my depression through a pandemic. I ran a play until I win, you niggas playing switching. To me, it's always execution over ambition.
You can find everything that I do on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. I make music and produce audio. The music that you're hearing now is music I made. You can listen to official releases by Santiago Ramones on Spotify, Apple Music, and the other streaming places. Or you can support me directly by buying my music on Bandcamp. I'm working on Hypothetical, my first singer-songwriter album. So if you'd like to hear that at some point, there are lots of ways to support me on my website. There's a Discord server in which we discuss deep topics from the podcast, but it's also a community of beautiful human beings. All the links to my things are on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. Please take a moment to rate and review the podcast. It would mean a lot to me to hear what you have to say, and it lets others know what to expect better than I could ever explain. I want to help the world have deeper conversations. So thank you for listening to and supporting BitDepth. I always end every podcast with my three things. They shape my life philosophy. Those three things are love never fails. It's going to be okay. I might be wrong.